0: This week, we're getting back on track with your host, Troy Track Select. And this time, if you're listening, you are one of the select few. And actually, we have a guest this week. I'm very excited. I've been trying to do this episode for like two months. Um, but a couple <laughs> things have just made it so that those things had to wait. But we're finally here now. Uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Who are we talking to? Hey, my name is Janelle Sissel. Um what else do you want to know like I'm from Indianapolis Indiana um I love music love performance it's it's like a second language to me so I'm super excited to just be here and just you know talking about music and a little bit in depth especially jazz and blues which are my favorite genres of music so yeah thanks for having me
2: yeah
0: um so I guess I'll just Tell a small story of how I met Janelle. I was actually at a record store called Square Cat Vinyl. Shout out, uh, free promo, I guess. And I was over there doing something I really haven't done before, which was just talking to strangers about my podcast because I had a project that I was working on. And um, she was one of the only other black people in the store. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to <laughs>
2: Janelle.
0: <laughs> and uh, I. Was just asking some questions and she kind of revealed to me that she was doing this project based on well you know what i feel like it'd be better if you tell the crowd kind of what you were actually doing
1: yeah and i wasn't even supposed to be at square cat that day <laughs> like my friend and i were just like let's go and buy vinyl and i always love buying vinyl mm-hmm. so um it's just literally by happenstance that we met but Um, I just graduated um, from IUPUI and I had to do a capstone project. Um, My concentration is women, uh, gender, and sexuality studies. Mm -hmm. And so I chose this capstone project of um, black women musicians and artists of the 1920s through the 1940s and how they express their sexuality and gender through song, music, and performance. So. Um yeah, I was sort of on the heels of that, still thinking of the project, still doing some research. And so I was super excited. So I was telling everyone <laughs> that I could meet, like, hey, this is the project that I'm doing. And so yeah, then we sort of exchanged numbers and here we are today. Yeah.
0: So I guess, you know, we're we're really not gonna do a whole lot of um Hullabaloo into this, I think we can just really go ahead and get started into some of the artists that you gave as part of your presentation. Um, unless you kind of have an intro that you think would give better context as to what you were doing.
1: Well, I guess my only intro would be why I picked the project. A, it's, you know, my my research. Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means, mm-hmm. but it's something that I like to research. And when I thought of the project, we were just coming off of the whole WAP era Mm -hmm. of the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, and seeing uh, and hearing all the man. This is an awesome song. This is my ish. Mm -hmm. You know, macaroni in a pot, and then (laughs) hearing (laughs) and then hearing sort of the backlash of that song, not only um, from people not in hip hop music or not you know, in that genre, listen to that genre, but even people within the community that was like, hold on, they didn't push some buttons, like, this is going a little bit too far, which, you know, um, and hearing a lot of, especially older people, saying, you know, music has gotten a little bit much, like, it's, it's, you know, the lyrics people expressing themselves, people rolling around on stage and twerking everywhere. Um, we didn't do this back in our day. And it's just like, y'all. It's a lie. This ain't new. Like, people have been twerking. People have been, you know, singing lewd lyrics and, and you know, pushing the grain on a lot of things. So um, I really wanted to go in and go to, especially with black music, especially as being a black woman, I wanted to... And, of course, Cardi B and Meg, being black women, focus on black women and how we have, you know, celebrated our sexuality and gender um, from the beginning of black American, as we know black music to be here in the Americas, um, which would be, of course, Negro spirituals being the first, um, and then blues and jazz being that homegrown American music. So... Um, and then, of course, I said earlier, being a person that is a huge fan of jazz, especially uh, wanting to go back to those earlier times of music and say, hey, we've been talking about macaroni in a pot since macaroni came out. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I think I went to. So I used to work for a st- work, volunteer for a station. They did not pay me any money. And um, it was at a and So W.N.A.A. And I remember at the time, I think I was talking to one of the station's managers, something like that, and I wanted to, they wanted me to put more rap and R&B on the station, because at the time, they were more primarily a gospel station, still are, but they wanted more of that stuff kind of in the afternoons, and so I'm going out and looking at stuff, and she was like, yeah, you know, this is just, and this is a woman who's probably in her 50s at the time maybe 60s and she was like yeah you know it's just do stuff out today it's just too much and i was like "Mm, but you guys were saying bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks (laughs) i we didn't do that i wasn't around when that song first came out and i was like there is this false belief that at, at you know earlier points in history for some reason like misogyny just came out, like, you know, talking like that just came out. That stuff has been around forever. And I don't know why people like to pretend um, it wasn't, but it really was. So I think this just will help shed light on some of these topics that have been around for centuries. uh, And just kind of let people know that nothing is new under the sun. And expose them to perspectives they might not have been aware of um, before. Because a lot of times, especially in black queer spaces, there is no representation from older generations there. Because either things were kept so secretive or straight up denying it because we've seen photos where they say, you know, this was... Bill and his friend, right. and they were living together for, like, 40 years, <laughs> and no one else lived there. Right. The,
1: the roommate or, yeah. you know, the, the roommate or the uncle. The, right. The uncle or the auntie that's <laughs> always around, like, oh, that's just your auntie. And, yeah. Yeah, most definitely.
0: So, uh, and then, you know, just to see people openly talk about it, because so many people, I mean, in reality, they passed away, and those stories just aren't here. So there's a lot of times when you don't see, you know, people who are in their 70s and 80s who are part of you know the LGBTQIA community, you just don't get to see those stories from people of color a lot of the time. So I think this is great to be able to talk about people who were there at the time doing what they do.
1: Right, I mean, yeah, and it's so sad that those stories weren't documented mm. at some, you know, and even during my research or doing my research, um, it was hard to find some of these stories. Um, I tried to, of course, do go to the university library, and then, of course, just plain old Google helped me out. Um, but still, it, it it's just sad that we don't have these stories well documented, um, especially Black stories, just in general, um, but especially queer Black stories. Um, and there's still people that are in their 70s and 80s that are still hiding, you know, just because that's what they're used to, you mm-hmm. know? And so just to be able to share these stories and find more of them, um, I think is awesome, not only to the black community, but the queer community as well. Yeah.
0: All right, so um, I'm gonna let you decide which artist do you wanna talk
1: about first? Um, I think let's talk about, I, I featured three in my, in my project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I would like to talk about four. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk about the most, the raunchiest first. Okay. <laughs> <So you're better laughs> um, uh, another reason why, I think this was my first woman that I found. I was talking to a friend about the project. And uh, they were like, have you heard Lucille Bogan's Shave em Dry? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, just go on YouTube and just listen to it. And I went on YouTube and I listened to it. And the first, like, stanza, I was just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm clutching my pearls. like, like very,
0: (laughs) very much so. Um, Older people have a way. (laughs) When they are allowed to, I guess, be as uh, explicit as they like to, I just feel like they have a way of speaking about it and – it's just different than yes. how we talk about those things now. So I'll, I'll let you talk about the first things. What were your kind of first experiences listening to that song?
1: I, I think my first experience was, even though, of course, the you know my project was that these lyrics have been around for so long. I did not know the lyrics were that explicit. Yeah, and um, it, it's almost like hearing your grandma. Like talk about somebody's nuts hanging like a bell pepper, and it's like, oh <laughs> shit, <laughs> yeah. Granny, What's going on? So that was like my first sort of just aha moment of okay, this is what the this is what that generation w- was working with back in the day. So, and now it's a song that I listen to repeatedly because a I'm kind of immature. <laughs> <laughs> And it's hilarious to me, um, but it also kind of slaps. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so though that I really would love to do more research on Lucille Bogan. Um, there's very little research besides some of her songs out there about her. Um, and she's not well known as Ma Rainey or Bessie Smith. Um, and I think that she should be just because of her lyrics. Like, Shave em Dry was not her only Dirty Blues song, which they called them back in the day. Um, she pretty much lived her life on Dirty Blues and um, traveling, um, singing Dirty Blues. So I think she's an unsung hero um, to what we have today as far as hip-hop.
0: Yeah, I think also part of the reason that we don't get to hear about these songs is because they probably spent a lot of time trying to make sure no one heard about them I can at see the that. time well, that definitely. they came out. Because um, I can't imagine you know, all the things that she says in this song, having to actually like get that pressed on wax and deal with all the people who have to, like they have to hear it before, somebody had to hear it before you put it down on there, you're an audio engineer. You had to get a lot of, I'm sure you dealt with a lot of pushback Uh, and you had to deal with a lot of people who had their hands on it first, and they are like, okay, we'll do it. Um, And then even after that, it kind of had to be, I'm sure, sort of passed out in secret. You couldn't just have this at any record store out in the front for anybody to just pick up.
1: And that was another thing that I had read, especially the difference between blues and jazz. Jazz was so mainstream America where blues was not. Mm -hmm. It was those underground speakeasies, juke joints that some of the stuff was actually sung in. And uh, while there were white people, they called them tourists back in the day. (laughs) We should probably call some tourists now. (laughs) But they would go to the juke joints and the clubs underground um, and sort of listen to and and learn a black culture um, by being a tourist in black spaces. And so it just really depends on the type of tourist that visited that space where their people would ever hear of Lucille Bogan, who was that white man that was that record professional that was like, you know what, that'd be good on wax. This is gonna be lucrative. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and, and record her, which um, that probably was not done especially for her. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I was re- I'm was. still really interested in her story and I hope to find more people that are too.
0: Yeah. Speaking of tourists, just because this this shocked me yesterday, I was coming back home, and I saw, um, I heard Life Jennings uh, must be nice playing, and I was like, oh, who's playing that? Fully expecting right, somebody black to be playing that because that's not a song that had like this crossover appeal, right. or anything like that. But it was like this white couple on a motorcycle that was playing Life Jennings must be nice, oh. and like my friends and I were like shocked because. It's not like now where some hip hop is like super big, right? And it's like you know that's fine. You'll see white people playing certain stuff um, all the time. You you'll see some people playing little baby whatever, okay, right? But Life Jennings, right? Must be nice was not one of those. I know that you actually listened <laughs> to <laughs> Life Jennings, and especially in the year two thousand twenty two. That's not a new song. No,
1: no, not at all. Not at all. That's interesting yeah, though. That like
0: blew my mind. I was like, wow, they must. Like they must really, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> they really listen to stuff speaking to tourists that just popped up. Okay. Yeah, some of the stuff that she says in here, I mean, again, usually everybody uses like euphemisms. Yeah. of of some sort. And some of your artists later are using euphemisms for some things. We'll get into that. But, you know, here she's just saying like I've got nipples on my titties big as the end of my thumb, which is like <laughs> <laughs> Only, I've only met people like my grandparents to talk like that. Like, they didn't say that at all. Right. Uh, my grandparents, like, they at church right now. <laughs> um, but uh. to just, to how you explain things, like, I could definitely hear someone saying something like, oh, yeah, big is the end of my thumb. Right. You know, for whatever it was. So that sort of stuff is shocking to hear. And like you said, it's like your grandma was saying it. Some people had grandmas like that. Right. I did not. I did not either.
1: I I totally did not. My granny is probably up looking at me like, why are you listening (laughs) to this? Like, I taught you better than this. Yeah, like, you know,
0: it's, I don't know. That's a totally different experience. Those people who had those grandparents like that, shout out to them. But that's not how mine were. Right. Right.
1: And like some of the just, and some of the stuff is not even euphemisms. Euf- I can't even talk it's euphemisms. A, mm-hmm. um, like you know, I got some between my legs that'll make a dead man come. Yeah. Like there's no yeah. type of innuendo in that. Like that's pure. And them using the word "come," mm-hmm. um, like. You wouldn't think that when did this song come out and
0: night oh no this is not even that's just a remake yeah
1: like <laughs> so we're talking about 1920s mm-hmm. you know and using I the words word like that were illegal come yeah exactly <laughs> like that was totally weird to me just I like that word didn't even come up until the 80s like yeah, to me yeah. like the first time I had even heard the word come was mm-hmm. probably you know mm-hmm. in the 80s or 90s or some rap song or whatever. Yeah. So to have words that we use today yeah. um, used back in that era was wild to me.
0: Because these are slang terms. It's not like this is just regular English. Like that's not a that's not in the dictionary, right? You know what I mean? So to have slang that's lasted that long, like you said, since the 20 it's 2022 right now. Right. So at least a hundred years, and I'm sure they didn't just come out. With it, right? When she said it, so I don't know. It's amazing to see how long some of this stuff has lasted. And those are the first two lines. That's yeah. not. There was no lead up to that,
1: right? Like it was just like, bam, there you go. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what this
0: is what we're doing. Just so you know,
1: right? Like there, there is no hiding it. There is no like maybe I'll just slide into something kind of yeah. dirty. It's like bam, nipples, titties come. Yeah, there you go.
0: First two lines. Yep. Not even through with the first little verse or anything like that. And we don't have to go through line by line. <laughs> but I'm just I don't know. It again it shocks me. It shocked everyone. And to even be still shocking now. Yes. After a hundred years. Uh I, I feel like that's iconic and a and a achievement in itself yes. to even To be just that, uh, I don't know, I need a better word than shocking, but to still be, I don't know, it's trailblazing. That's all I can say to still shock us today. After I, all the things we've heard, I know
1: someone. And I told you this uh, yesterday. Someone on YouTube said Lucille Bogan walked so that the City Girls could ride. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing is, the City Girls
0: are descendants of Trina, you know. Right. So it's like somebody did something, but this is the this is the one though. <laughs> Lucille <laughs> was the first one that we know of. Yeah. Because again, like we said, a lot of stories didn't get told. So I'm sure she got it from somebody
1: yeah and one of the other people that I talk about Gladys Bogan Mm -hmm. or Gladys Bentley I'm sorry i I mixed the two together um I know that she did a lot of dirty blues but it wasn't recorded because she did a lot of ad-libs as she was performing so like to see something like this or hear something like this that was actually recorded Mm -hmm. um back in those days yeah it's still mind-boggling but I'm here for it
0: You know, listening to this makes me realize now when they talk about, like, grandparents or parents in the 20s. Like, y'all better not be going out to them blues shows and stuff. Like, now I get it way, way more than just thinking about, like, oh, they was just mad because they weren't playing gospel down there. And they were drinking. You know, that was a big deal at the time. But, no, if if this is what they were saying, then i way more understand why those people like you better not be going down to the show tonight
1: um and in my in my research i found the talented Tenth, which was of course a group um, of upper class uh, middle to upper class um black people mm-hmm. Um, W.E.B. Dubois. Um, I hope I said that right, because people are like, no, that's it's not how you say it. It's Dubois, 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 You know who yeah. we talking about. Um, so, uh, you know, there was such a struggle between blues and the Talented Tenth. So, because the Talented Tenth felt that in order for black people to gain freedom, mm-hmm. they needed to be more like white people. Yeah. And so... And, uh, of course, adopt white people's Christian blues. You had to be the good Negro, uh, where the blues was just like, you know what? We're not good Negroes. I'm not your magical Negro, which I've seen today um, um, as I came in on Facebook. (laughs) But um, just those two together and that struggle over sort of the black soul of, you know, so I could see that talented ten saying, "Don't go down there to those blues halls; mm-hmm. it's dirty, it's nasty," you know. <laughs> and then the people of the blues saying, "Like you know, we just doing our thing; we yeah. just you know having fun or whatever." So, but yeah, this is why your grandma didn't want, you know, or your great grandma didn't want your grandma to be <laughs> to be in them juke joints. So this is exactly why. Yeah, Um reading
0: about. Dubois bois and the talents of tenth is interesting cuz you know i had one of his books uh i think it was the souls of um
1: souls of black folk
0: souls of black folk and i read did i ever get to finish it i don't think i ever got to finish that one uh, cuz my teacher borrowed it for a time and then i took it back uh and whatever it doesn't matter but i remember learning about him in cl- in school they talked about him but you didn't really understand the whole thing of like we want to be like white people and we want to be seen in this way and that's still something that black people struggle with today is like why are we trying to impress white people or be like them when we're just inherently not like them and right. that's okay we can just be ourselves and be able to do whatever we want without worrying about those things Um but the talented 10th is also still another mindset was like this is what we've got to do so It's still something that lingers all these years later.
1: Most definitely. Um, Because literally, that's pretty much how I grew up. You Mm -hmm. know, you have to be not only better. You hear that, you know, you need to be ten times better. Um, but you also, you know, tone it down a little bit, be quieter, Um, don't talk about that, this is how you act, you want to act just like them, so that way you can be accepted in those circles, and so that mindset of the talented Tith has never gone away, and it probably will never go away, um, unfortunately, Um, but you still have those communities like these blues singers and hip-hop at this point, uh, which... I don't know, about hip-hop today. I, I think some of it's being controlled mm. by the morality police to sort of give a difference between them and us. Mm. Um, yeah, I think a lot of hip-hop today is being controlled. But uh, that is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> sure.
0: I've heard a little bit about that, but again another time we're talking about blues too i know
1: but yeah most definitely you see that the 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 struggle between that you know upper class society bourgeoisie of black folk and the people that the blues really that working class um black people that the blues actually was the the main audience for blues at that point
0: yeah And like you said earlier, which is something I don't think about all the time, but blues, even back then, was a very underground thing. And even now, it's still, like, not a mainstream thing to get into. Right. So uh, let's see. Let's talk about one of your other artists and their blues songs, and then I'll I'll talk about one of mine after.
1: Right. And the one, Gertrude Ma Rainey, was, that's, In my actual um, report, in my actual video, um, I did uh, and talked about her a little bit because she was pretty much the mother of the blues, or what people consider, or who people consider um, the mother of the blues. Um, She was uh, bisexual, I would think, um, because she did have relationships um, with men, but was very vocal and very out when it came to her relationships with women and so the song that i focused on was prove it on me blues Mm -hmm. um uh, the song totally is like i am a lesbian um my woman is mad at me yes i know this is illegal and yes i know y'all don't like this but y'all gonna have to prove it on me like
0: that's something also interesting i think we forget because other countries definitely will do it like will literally arrest you if they find out you're gay now, but the u s used to do that at a time I don't know when that stopped, but to put out music that is so in your face and as somebody who's kind of a large figure at the time right uh and basically like you told me or in your presentation, you said you know she was daring people to say that she was gay or at least had relations with women, and in the song, I mean. She does everything but say it outright. I suppose. So it was kind of, to me, it seemed like one of those things where it was like, I'm saying it without saying it, but what are you going to do about it? You're going to, like you said, you're going to have to prove it.
1: Right, right. So, you know, I'm out here, I'm living, but they're not going to catch me. And that's what she says. You know, ain't nobody caught me. So I'm going to continue to be laughing in your face and uh, without judgment. Um, And so she talks about a little bit, of course, about the woman that she had had an argument with, which is the basis um, of the song and how the woman has left her. Um, But she also talks about her dress and how she dresses, which um, now we see people, especially people that are non-binary, this fluent dress when it comes to um, gender, um, not, you know, dressing as female or as male, um, being more androgynous. Um, interest, but of course, you know, you're talking about the 1920s. You know, y'all not even showing ankles. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so the fact that I don't know if that's true. Like I'm sure they were showing ankles because no, that's no, probably that's, around the Charleston period. They and all were that stuff. Still but <laughs> <be> floor length.
0: <laughs> I better not see your shoes right
1: now. Right, right. Like your bathing suit is like a whole onesie. Yeah. You know, like a whole. They ski were wearing suit.
0: dresses on the beach.
1: Yes. So here is a woman, a plus size black woman mm. at that. A plus size, dark skinned black woman um, that is wearing male attire. So she talks about in the song how she wears collars and ties um, and how she is outright, you know, there, not only in dress, not only in her relationship, not only in the songs that she sings, but she's still daring folk um, to prove it. And, you know, costing not only possibly her career, but her freedom. Uh, We're also talking about a time where homosexuals were forced to, you know, take medication and things like that, which happened um, definitely um, later on um, in the century um, to sort of change them or fix them or castrate them, depending on what the medicine did. Um, Definitely being locked up in you know, um, homes and hospitals uh, because it was known as a disorder. Um, so even though she's done all this, like she's like, I don't care. I'm going to continue to do it. And y'all just got to prove, prove that I did it.
0: I forgot that some of, I knew about the medication thing, but I forgot some of it literally just made it so you weren't either, like I said, castrated you or you literally weren't attracted to anyone right. or anything. Um, which is just a horrifying thing to think of and have to deal with and go through. Um, Yeah, I think sometimes we might forget how archaic some of that stuff really was, and some of it is kind of buried because people don't want to talk about it, but they really, you know, if you think some stuff was bad now, not that it's acceptable to some of the things that may occur now, but back then they really were doing everything in their power just to, shut stuff down and like you said because it's all hush hush a lot of it isn't really recorded so right there's not much that we can it's hard to know the history because it's been deleted right uh did you see the ma rainey movie that they put out on netflix i think it's on netflix
1: i don't think yes ma rainey's black Black, yes with a viola Viola davis yes that was really really good Mm -hmm. i will say um to me, it was mostly about Chadwick Boseman's character. Mm. I would love to see a Ma Rainey story that talks just about Ma Rainey and mm-hmm. her life. Yeah. Like from the time she was born until the time she died.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention like when I was watching it. So with that movie in particular, it's not really about her whole life. It's really about this one day that right. they were recording the song. So that's a perspective that you could make a movie about that's fine. But I was gonna say, you know, they didn't harp on anything really about her being queer at any from what I remember. Like all I saw it as when I was watching it was like, oh, you know, she just shouldn't have a husband or anything because she's like she's busy and she's a businesswoman. That's what her main focus was. But that's not eg- exactly why, um yeah, they didn't really talk about that much. They
1: there. didn't. You you did see when she came into the studio she was with a young woman.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But and you could tell there was a relationship there. But it was not. They did not talk about it because then the young woman was also flirting with Chadwick Boseman's character. Was that the one that was, yeah. if I can remember correctly, it's been So long since I've seen I that. need to go back and, and rewatch it. So it was just that very like, Hey, she's traveling with this woman. You can tell that there's some sort of connection, maybe physical, maybe mentorship, but you assume, you know, that they're just traveling together um, but they really didn't go into detail about the relationship that Ma Rainey had with this woman, who I assumed um, was probably a lover, mm-hmm. but they did not talk about that at all. Because I, if I can remember correctly, Ma Rainey does get jealous a bit at yeah, J- Chadwick Boseman's character, mm-hmm. you know, flirting with the woman, mm-hmm. but I need to go back and watch it. It was really a good movie. Yeah,
0: That, and he was kind of a budding trumpet player who was about to get his own band and stuff and unfortunately they took his music and whatnot but yeah um, they didn't talk about it a ton but again that wasn't the focus of the movie right it was really just a day that they were recording and it was super hot and she (laughs) wanted a coke
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) they got in a car accident too i think before like at the beginning of the movie didn't she get in a car accident or something yeah or somebody hit her
0: car It was something small, like kind of just a ding sort of thing. Like, not like anything was destroyed. Right. It was a big deal because my running was like, I want my stuff exactly how I want my stuff. Right. And
1: I want it now. Right. Like, fix it. Like, this is my car. Yes, it's the nicest car on the street right now. Yeah. So, I want it fixed right now.
0: Yeah. She was also very outspoken, very confident, and very demanding because of probably knowing she should have more than she did even though she, you know, was doing well, but uh, probably knowing she should have more than what she did and knowing that these people, if you're not like that, they'll treat you any kind of way. Right,
1: right. So, And, you know, in that time, being a black woman, especially, you know, in that situation, you had to, you know, have a powerful voice and a powerful presence. Um, and I think... Bessie Smith is the other person that we'll talk about soon, but I think, if I can remember correctly, in Bessie, the movie with Queen Latifah, they show a little bit of Ma Rainey, because Ma Rainey was Bessie's mentor, and I think lover, not I think, like they were lovers at some point, but wasn't that played by Monique?
0: It's been so... I remember when that came out, but I never saw it. I just oh, saw trailers of it. you
1: should see it. It was really good. I feel like, if I can remember correctly, no one hold me to it, mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Monique played that character, the okay. character of Mont Rainey. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'll have to dig into that. There are a few movies that get put out like that that just kind of float under the radar yes. for whatever reason, Um, but I remember when they were kind of showing the trailers where they seemed like they were you know, very cinematic. Very, they seemed like they were going to be a really good movie, and then Maybe they didn't go out to theaters or something, and they were just like on TV. Yeah, I think
1: Bessie was just on HBO. Okay. Like, yeah, so it was, yeah, it it didn't. And you, of course, you saw it, you know, on social media and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it really didn't get the, the the praise and things that mm-hmm. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But it's been done. It's been a while since that movies came out too. Yeah,
0: maybe five or five or six years. Yeah, so.
1: I, but no, I would not mind for someone to pick up um, a biographer or something to pick up Ma Rainey's story and screenwrite that into a movie or, or something um, that details her life more than just the one day of the um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah.
0: Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about one of my artists that I brought up this week. Is that cool with you? Yes.
1: Go right on ahead. So
0: I'm gonna start with Frank Ocean, um, with Forrest Gump. And I was I didn't originally really wanna do Frank Ocean because it seemed so maybe too easy or too hmm. like stereotypical, like oh, we're gonna talk about some you know LGBTQ artists, and oh, you're gonna bring up Frank Ocean, right? As, like
1: he is the poster child for right. black male LGBTQIA. <laughs> yes, and
0: and you guys couldn't see me roll my eyes when she said that, but yeah, that's kind of how it ended up. But I I think I brought wanted to bring him up because there's a there's a bigger story there with with Frank Ocean than with a lot of other artists. So Frank Ocean, when he came out with Channel Orange that was the moment that he decided to come out as bisexual. And at the moment, or at the time, I kind of, um, I forgot how big a story this was when that first Mm -hmm. occurred, because I think Channel Orange came out in like 2012, uh, and I remember he had this, this Tumblr post that he put out that was basically telling everyone that he fell in love with a man at a point in his life. And that was such a huge deal at the time, because especially since Frank Ocean was a masculine presenting man, and no one had any idea that he was attracted to women at all. We all just assumed—I mean, men at all—we all just assumed he only liked women. He was straight, and uh, so like that shocked so many people, and that ran the news cycles for a while. And when I read the post again, just to kind of remind myself of what was what he actually said, and it's not like it was this explicit thing no. at all. Um, it was literally, ju- and it was still kind of—I don't want to use the word cryptic. It was just—it didn't go into detail, right. like deep detail of you know all the things that he did with this person. He really, literally, just said, "I was hanging out with someone for a summer." And eventually says, and he did this or whatever. And so you let you know that he's talking about a man at this point. He's like, and I I'm not sure if he actually used the words, I fell in love. I think he did. But I do know at some point, basically, you know, you know that he fell in love with this person, and he said that he um told him his feelings in kind of crying while he was doing it, and knew that well the, those same feelings weren't reciprocated to him at the moment because turns out the guy had a girlfriend um which is also a very common story right right but the guy had a girlfriend at the time and he didn't kind of tell frank about his feelings for frank th- until 3 years later which is you know forever right. in in that sort of space especially when at that point i'm not going to say frank was completely over it cuz he said that you know he still has feelings for him to this day but obviously just with the way things went that, you know, that couldn't happen.
1: But I love how he, he came out, but he didn't come out. I love the, like the subtlety of I love him Mm -hmm. or I have feelings for him and not saying, Hey y'all, I'm bisexual or I'm gay. Like I'm coming out. I'm just, just that sort of normality Mm -hmm. of, yes, I fell in love with this person. I love him. And using that that pronoun and not really just making a, a, a big deal of it, I, I can't wait till we can get to that point yeah. where someone can just say, hey, I love this person, I love them, or I love him, or I love she. Um, and just not being able to be like, oh, my God, he's gay. Or, yeah. oh, my God, they're this or that. And just it being normalized. Like, hey, I'm just... Per- proclaiming my love for this person um so i love how he did it it was very subtle um but very sort of tender and very vulnerable which the song that you send me um forrest gump Mm -hmm. very vulnerable song Mm -hmm. um and i love that vulnerability of him just being able to express how he felt about that person
0: and what's crazy about frank ocean doing it was even though it was a big deal in terms of like oh, my God, we all just found out this new thing about Frank Ocean, had no idea, whatever. It seemed, and I'm sure there was some negative backlash somewhere. And this is the oh, thing yeah. of my memories. you memories. I don't remember exactly how we were all, how everyone felt about it at the time. And people, like, cracked their little jokes or whatever. But because it was Frank, it kind of was like, okay. Like, right. it seemed it accepted pretty quickly. Like, I know, I'm sure a couple of radio stations, everybody had their little gossip thing, and everybody had to say their two cents on it and whatever, but because it was Frank Ocean, it was just like, okay. Right. And that was kind of the last that we really went into detail about his sexuality at all. Like, I know he talks about his songs on Blonde a lot more, and even then it's still kind of – he keeps things um, really to himself. He lets us know things, but they're still a little, they're not explicit in detail about everything that's going on. It's mostly just emotions that he feels, but it seemed like at the time we were all okay, fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't remember there being such, I don't remember there being a backlash really on social media. I, I, it was just a matter of a fact thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember, and, and it did feel like it came and went, like just like oh, Frank Ocean is you know, gay, and it's just like oh okay, mm. and then it just went away, like and so now we, we we, we don't you know discuss it, um, but I think that's also a change in a generation it is. where, um, this generation is very just like hey like okay that's great. Um, uh, which his general his music is more toward millennials, I think, and Gen mm-hmm. Z maybe, mm-hmm. and so just that audience is just like okay, that's awesome. whatever, yeah. that's that's cool. Like that is awesome that you're living in your truth, yeah. and now let's move on to focus on your talent.
0: Yeah, we all still trying to you know pretend artists like Luther Vandross. Man, we're straight. Like I don't know what we're doing with that. Right, but whatever. <laughs> so also another reason that. Frank Ocean, it was such a big deal is because Frank Ocean was black yeah, and, you know, masculine presenting black man. And, um, you know, with other like we've seen white artists kind of come out and they were experienced whatever they experience, experienced. But it was such a big deal because everybody kind of accepted it with Frank. And I think that gave a lot of other um, black male gay men like comfort. Yes. more comfort to bold to come out or be themselves because before that it's still it's definitely not all the way safe for people now. I'm not saying right. that, but right. I do think that that was a major shift in how the black community specifically treats gay men.
1: Yes. I can most definitely most definitely see that. Um, but it's something that the black community, we've always treated it, but we've swept it under the bus. You know, it's like the choir director yeah, yeah. that everyone knows yeah. is gay, but no one discusses it. Yeah. Um, and I think that we we do know that there are masculine-presenting gay black men out here, mm-hmm. um, but we you know, you just hush, you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, most definitely the Frank Ocean um, gave us the okay to talk about it in those certain circles.
0: And the reason I brought up Forrest Gump specifically is because this is the only song on Channel Orange, I believe, where he, like, actually talks about love with a man specifically. On all the other stuff, it's either... You know, doesn't say anything really at all, and we just kind of assume, or he does say she, her, that sort of thing, uh, and so I felt like I was like, oh yeah, like if you have this song out there, you you have to say something, right? Um, and this this song didn't even, if you look at Spotify, this is one of the you know lesser listened to songs on that album, uh, so it was kind of like, okay, whatever. Oh no, never mind. It's got one hundred seventy six million, so it is. It's it's not the most listened to, but, I don't know, I guess middle of the road. Right. But when you put out a song like this, I'm sure he knew, he was like, people are going to ask questions about the song. Right. It's going to be a thing, so I've got to, I mean, you don't really have to say anything. You can do whatever you want. Right. But he just went ahead and put the statement out there, so when you get to this song, it wouldn't be like this big ado. And that's funny, because I didn't really hear people talk about Forrest Gump like that at all. Because Thinking About You was the big one. Um, Well, that was the big single. And, you know, Pyramids was also a huge one because that was like a 10-minute song. But Forrest Gump just kind of floated on by. Because I guess the announcement was so big that it really didn't matter what he'd be saying here. You already knew. He told you.
1: Right, right. I love it. Speaking of church, did you hear the church organs in that song? Yeah. Like to me it made it not only about love, but it was more of a spiritual connection mm-hmm. um in that song. But yeah, and I noticed that song is almost at the end of the project too. Mm-hmm. Um so it
0: kind of is the last song. Yeah. End is just kind of an outro that's going right. on. It's not even it's not even full in your face. It's like there are people talking during it and you know, so Forrest Gump really is the last song of the project.
1: Right. But yeah, I really, and just the vulnerability that he shares. And I like the analogies that he shares in the song as well, mm-hmm. where you can be strong but fragile, yeah. which a few of the verses or a few of the lines do talk about, you know, him being swole, him being this masculine or falling in love with this masculine figure mm-hmm. uh, of this guy. But the, this, the guy can also be soft. Um, and express his his feminine energy in being fragile and caring. Um, It's really a a beautiful song, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of analogies, like the football analogy, of course, and then the running analogy. Um, But, yeah, most definitely.
0: I saw your game, Forrest. I was screaming run, 44, but you kept running past the end zone. Oh, where'd you go, Forrest? Which is, if you read the Tumblr post, it really gives a lot more context to that line, which I didn't, getting until like I did. Um, but he was saying that the guy kind of just ran away and they didn't talk too much after that until he kind of came back later and they um, reconnected a little bit. Like he said, he just kind of ran from his feelings because he knew how he felt about Frank at the time, I'm sure. Or knew it was something because they hung out almost every day, he says in the, the Tumblr post. And now, um, but when I express my feelings for you, you just kind of disappeared and ran away. And in the chorus, you know, he says, You run my mind, boy, which was a big deal to me mm-hmm. because it was such a I remember at this point in time, if people did duet not duets, if they did a cover of a song by a woman and she said the word boy or something like that, they would change it to girl. Yes. Even when boy like rhymed. Yes. Like that's how serious it was. Even though we knew the song was by whoever it was by. Yes. And that's how strong people you know, felt about it. So to write a song where you said, you run my mind, boy, um, knowing that you're talking about a man, we all know that was a big deal.
1: I need to go and reread his Tumblr post. Is Tumblr still a thing? No, <laughs> it is not.
0: They uh, ruined their whole thing a few years ago when they decided not to let uh, porn be on Tumblr. <laughs> And so, once they did that, that killed their whole thing.
1: Oh, poor Tumblr. Poor Tumblr. Rest in peace, R.I.P.
0: Didn't have to go like that. Right. (laughs) But they did. R.I.P. R.I.P. All right. Um, So, let's talk about uh, one of... Actually, I'd rather finish with talking about your artist. So, I'm just going to go ahead and do my second one now. Yes, go ahead. Um, So, this is an artist. His name is Serpent with Feet. And the song is called Cherubim. Um, good luck trying to spell that. I still can't get it right for real. So I found out about Serpent with Feet through a guy named Anthony Fantano, known as The Needle Drop, on YouTube. He does all these music reviews and album reviews. Do you know who that is? No, know? I do not. Okay. He's probably one of the larger um, rev- music reviewer people on
1: that platform. Ooh, I need to look him up. Yeah.
0: So anyway... Serving with feet i found this mm, a, quite some time ago and it's always stuck with me the song uh, well the whole project is very good but Cherubum always stuck with me because i don't when i talk about the song maybe maybe you guys will understand but he's also he is gay that's he's uh very open about that that's not a secret he was always out as far as i know when he was started being an artist and this was my first experience with him so i've always known him to be gay and basically he the song talks about him being in love with this man to the point where it is like an act of servitude for him uh I didn't really know. I don't know why I thought cherubim was like a flower or something.
1: Isn't it like the, it's the baby, like a cherub, like almost like the love. What's not Cupid. Isn't Cupid considered a cherub?
0: Maybe. So I'm going to read what a cherub actually is. They wrote it on this post. Thank you for that because I really wouldn't have known. Anyway. Cherubim is the plural noun for cherub, winged angelic beings from biblical tradition whose purpose, while having varied roles, was to serve God. They're typically depicted as joyous, chubby children with innocent faces uh, and, you know, winged, sorry, serpent with feet says, I get to devote my life to him. He compares his devotion to his lover to the purity and servitude of the cherubim. And, yeah, when I was listening to the song, even when I didn't really realize what a cherubim was, I was like, this is what he says. Boy, every time I worship you, my mouth is filled with honey. And he says, uh, as I build your throne, I feel myself growing. And the song, I mean, the song to me is, it's scary at points because it seems compulsive and obsessive. Mm, I can see that. Yeah, and there's, you know, in the background, you kind of hear these, like, grunts a little bit as he's just singing. And the instrumental is not this kind of happy sounding thing. It sounds like work, but to a serpent <laughs> with feet, it's like he's devoting his life to this person and it doesn't sound like the healthiest thing. But when I heard it the first time I was like, have I ever loved someone if I wasn't doing
1: all this and feeling all of this?
0: Um, yeah, it's.
1: Yeah, lot. I think like he he takes it almost as an honor, like a yes. badge of honor, yes. that he gets to serve this man, um, this man that he loves. I didn't get it on the, sort of, toxic sort of side of it, but I guess if you lose yourself in that sort of love, then yes, most definitely it could be toxic.
0: Yeah, um, one of the things that really stands out to me because the the lyrics you guys should know I always look at them and they always, you know, they're important. Yes. And he says, sowing love into you is my job. Making love to you is my job. Anything else is a weak curse. Weak curse. Weak curse. Weak curse. And when I hear it like that, it really seems like he's saying, you know, this is what I meant to do and anything that takes me away from that even a little bit is a curse and it's weak because it's not going to work anyway. Um, I'm going to continue to do this. And I don't know lines like saying small things like saying I get to devote yeah, my life to him. Exactly. Not, I, not I have to or just I do devote my life to them is I, I get, get to it. do it, which, like you said, is an honor. Yes. To him to be able to do these things like I look forward to doing these things. And I don't know. Um, it's just a perspective that I hadn't seen Before and done in a way that I hadn't seen before. And that's why I feel like having these messages come from queer artists is important just because I value storytelling. And, you know, we've seen so many things, we see so many things like repeatedly all the time. And so to see it in a new, fresh perspective and something that's usually shielded from us, I think that's why this struck me so much and why it's always um, stuck with me. And I feel like, you know, even though I don't come back to this album all the time, I, th- I feel like I've shared this song with so many people at some point, just because I'm like, this really struck a chord with me when it first, well, when I first heard it, I will say.
1: Yeah, I have never heard of Serpent with Feet, so thank you for sharing this with me, because this week is going to be a Serpent with, with Feet <laughs> week um, that I'll be listening to. But I... I I took it from a separate way because you notice that... when, Well, you don't notice, but it seems like women are the nurturers in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also the... Not the builders, but we are supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love this because he is intertwining his masculine and femi- feminine energies mm-hmm. that he is actually building this person up. Yeah. Um, he is supporting this person. Um, so... I liked that he was able to intertwine both of those energies to devote to this, to his, his love. Um, but I also wonder, cause y- you hear it from his point of view. You don't hear the guy response yeah. in the song. And I guess I didn't realize it until you just said that. So I wonder the guys, the other person's response in the song.
0: Um, I have, so have you, have you listened to the album?
1: I have not listened to the whole album. That's why I said this week is going to be all Serpent with Feet. When I've listened to this
0: and the album, something in me feels like it's not reciprocated in the same way. I can't remember because it's been a while since I've listened to it, but it, it really seems like he has attached himself to this person very strongly, and they are just being attached to um, I don't think they show him the same amount mm. of care and and love and obsession honestly with this that he does to them but you let me know about that later. Yes we'll
1: have to talk that. about that because oh that makes me sad yeah, because true. this yeah he totally is devoting his whole life to this yeah, person he this and person. he says it you know like and he's wearing this with this honorable badge and yeah to not have that type of love reciprocated that's that's very sad to me. Yeah,
0: um, I'm trying to think. I don't want to make sure I leave anything out, but I really think that's all I have to say about Serpent with Feet. I'm surprised it's, I feel like I probably mentioned him on the podcast before, but honestly it might just be because i talked to so many people in real life about it that I think I've recorded it down right here. Uh, but I'm glad I was able to finally do it now. And now I have to listen to that album again because it's been too long. Wow. Oh. Um, there are some moments in there where he talks about, like just being attracted to his uh, lovers, like natural scent and musk, and like because of stuff like that, I was like, "Have I like really, really attached myself to someone right. like that?" But again, there are things about this that don't seem the healthiest to me. Right. So, like, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk about one of your one of your artists who else do you want to talk about
1: um the next song that I featured in my research uh, was Bessie Smith okay "Um, pour a little sugar in my bowl which um uh, I guess it's a good segue to come off of that sort of attaching yourself to someone um, because she is detaching herself from someone Mm. um she the song opens up tired being lonely tired of being blue wish I had a good man to tell my troubles to. so and then uh, since my it seems like the whole world's wrong since my man's been gone so Mm. she's already at this low point in her life um she's looking you know she's lost her man um, she's looking for another man to be emotionally, possibly even spiritually attached to. Um, but in the meantime, until she finds that guy, <laughs> <laughs> she wants somebody else to give her physical affection. Mm. So um, I need a little sugar in my bowl is the, song, the title of the song. Um, and pretty much, yes, that's how it, it starts. Like, hey, I don't have a man right now. Um, I lost him. That happened. But until then. Um, I need someone to lay it down. Yeah. <laughs> and so. <laughs> no, Shirley does talk about drops. <laughs> drops off video. I think it's so funny. <laughs> so, and the song, I picked the song, A, because it's full of food innuendo. Mm-hmm. Um, I need a little sugar in my bowl. I need a little hot dog on my roll. Yeah. Um, sugar, of course. To me, I said it was ejaculation, it in made my, sense to me after you said, that. yeah, in my uh research, and then a little hot dog on my roll, yeah, um, that is penis mm-hmm. with a vagina, yeah. like I need this, um, so um, she fills the song full of innuendo, um she also not only she talks about oral sex a little bit too, which is something that you don't hear maybe in songs back then or at least i had not heard of it and they Um, weren't
0: doing that back then they was like i ain't trying to get sick (laughs) can't do that
1: that is not what your mouth is for (laughs) (laughs) so and also not only oral sex but like you know other other sexual acts like Fingering, yeah. so um, yeah, so, she was like,
0: Get that finger out of yeah here.
1: Like, <laughs> I don't want that. Like, I need the hot dog, please. Yeah. Oosh, um, oosh. so yeah, I need a little sugar in my bowl, I need a little hot dog between my rolls. You're getting different. I've been told, Move your finger and drop something in my I bowl. That was
0: so fun. It's the drop something, that's really what it was. But yeah, the move <laughs> your finger. I was like, Oh, wow, <laughs> all right. <laughs> But drop something in my bowl just yeah. made me laugh because I think about dropping dick off. And that's, that's <laughs> like, I don't hear that. I don't hear that term too often even now. Uh but also, dropping dick off is just a hilarious way yeah. to say that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, oh, and then they get off your knees. I can't see what you're driving yeah. at. And talking about his penis looking like a snake. Yeah. Yeah, it's dark down there. It looks like a snake. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, we, of course, you have the food in your windows and you know what she's talking about. But yeah, toward the end of the song, it's just like, oh, okay y'all doing big things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: But she know and and that was one of the things of course being um in the women gender and sexuality studies and I consider myself a feminist. Um being able to tell your partner, whoever that may be, what you want. Um so I not only chose it for the innuendo but i most definitely chose it for sort of the feminist appeal like oh i'm not just gonna sit back mm-hmm. and let you control this love making session like i know what i want mm-hmm. and i'm gonna tell you yeah. what i want and so um those are the two reasons why i i picked this particular song yeah.
0: um besides the things that we've already mentioned for this one i think one of the things that's stood out to me that i've never Heard before was, um, I need a little steam heat on my floor, and I also like the way that she said she's like I need a little steam heat, <laughs> steam ah. heat on my <laughs> floor. Uh, I I think that's, I don't know. I just liked how she said it. Right. I like that innuendo. I think it's really cool. I might start using that from now on. Oh really? I need, I need a oh, little okay. steam. Steam. <laughs> <laughs> and you can only say it like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You
1: can't say it any <laughs> other way, and I want to to see that your your partner's face when they be like, "What in the world?" Whoever you're going out oh. with, or whoever you're saying that to at that moment, them being like, "Okay, dude, like, yeah. uh, thanks." So,
0: <laughs> and that's the thing is, you'd only hear someone who, because when is this still twenties time or forties? Yeah,
1: um, that came out, and I. Wish I had everything like done, like all of my stuff. Yeah, it was lined
0: up. It's really not that big a deal. But even still, I feel like that's only something that that's not something you are gonna hear anybody say. Nah, I need some no. steam heat on my They'd be like, Oh, you should probably like get a, a doctor carpet or something. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Like, I don't, but yeah,
1: like um, what uh, steam heat? And hey, we don't even use steam heat anymore. No. Like we all central air and uh, gas. So the fact that yeah she even uses steam heat that's that's hilarious to me, Um, but yeah and and we know a little bit about Bessie Smith like we talked about um, there's that movie out there with Queen Latifah um, being Bessie Smith Um, I think her husband is played by mm, oh he just passed. No, he always plays the <laughs> the toxic man and everything. Well, no, he doesn't. Who's another toxic man? Brent Underwood's very toxic. But, um, no, yeah, what is his name? Right he just now. died. Um, he's an actor, obviously. Yes, he he's an me. actor. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. Now I have to look it up. Um, All right,
0: well, you take your time with that. We'll, we'll figure that out. But, yeah, Bessie Smith is definitely a... Um, A character, for sure. And I think it's... Michael
1: Kenneth Williams.
0: Michael Kenneth...
1: Oh! Yes, he plays her husband in the movie. And you see their dynamic um, because she's openly um, seeing... And having relationships with women, not only some of her dancers, but, you know, just women being out on tour. Yeah. And you see the jealousy part that her husband also is like, well, you know, um, I'm your man, I'm your husband. Yeah. And she's like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. But, you know, they, they still um, very toxic love story to me, yeah. which you see a lot of toxic love stories in some of these women. Um, in, in their life, especially with men. Yeah. Um and some of that is probably due to their sexuality. But uh, yeah, it's a good movie. But go ahead, what you were saying.
0: Yeah. I think we need more movies like this that like like come out in theaters and are big. Because yes. Because they just dropped the Elvis movie that came out mm. not too long ago. I saw the like I remember when I saw the trailer for it and I was like, who's <sighs> gonna go see that? Only because the main generation, like, I know this is, I'm probably about to, you know, be hypocritical here, and I don't care. But the main (laughs) people who would have gone to see that movie, they have passed away. Yeah. And they're not, and even if they are still around, they're not going out to see that one. Yeah. And then, like, Elvis isn't, I've known of Elvis my whole life. I've never really spent any real time with him, and I've spent a lot of time with artists from that era, But just Elvis was never the person that I did. And uh, there's no large demand for people who are in their 20s or 30s or 40s to really – or 50s who want to see something about Elvis. I don't know any – and maybe it was the people that I was hanging around with. But I don't know any super Elvis fans.
1: Yeah, I I think they are – going away from us. I don't yeah. want to say dying out because that's bad, but I think that they are transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and how many Elvis movies do we need though?
0: Have there been other ones?
1: I, I, yeah. Like I'm sure, like I know there's yeah. at least been one or two. I, I know not that I've watched them, but I, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times are we going to see the same story? And I, the Elvis movie that I would want to see is how Black people influence, if not him and his producers. Well, they co-opted the music. They is they mentioned it? I believe the they mentioned
0: it. Like in the trailers, they talk about. They show him with some Black artists, and they kind of talk about. This isn't just about uh, me; it's about all of us. Because it was, it was kind of like I don't know. Some Black performers were probably performing somewhere, and they, you know, how those movies always go. They try to kick him out or whatever. So it gets touched on, I believe, because I didn't see the movie. And I kind of wanted to only because there was nothing else out and I wanted to just eat some popcorn in the movie theater. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just like Mm. if it's even showing somewhere.
1: If it was on like regular TV and I had nothing to do and I didn't want to watch The Office on reruns like I do... (laughs) then i would watch the new elvis movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, yeah, if it was on netflix or something because we're talking about it right now. right. i know what would happen cuz i've done this with several movies. i'll put it in my list. yeah. and then i'll still probably never
1: it will live it. there until like they're taking it off of yeah. netflix and then i'm like, "ooh, that's on my Let list. i need to watch and that." Yeah. and then sometimes i still and never I watch still it. still won't do it. yeah.
0: so I don't. I wonder who they talked to to convince them that like this would be, we should put out an Elvis movie right now in the year two thousand twenty two. Right. I, I'm I'm curious what that did at the box office. Now I just need to see.
1: Yeah. I, I. I. Yeah. And it had to go to the box office. I think that would have been. They should have put Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in the theater and should have put the Elvis movie on Netflix. That should Let's just see. be. And it was Monique that. It was. Okay. Um. Played Ma Rainey in that Bessie movie. Mm, okay. So yeah. So I and I need to go back and watch this movie. I've watched it a couple of times, but it's been a while. It came out in 2015. Oh my gosh, that's so long ago. Okay. Um.
0: So it made a little bit of money. It uh it had a budget of 85 million, and it just passed 250 million in the global box office.
1: 85 million. It took to make that movie. Okay. That's
0: what this says. Wow. So, you know, I mean, really, I think we're always looking at the, and that's something I don't think about because I'm, I'm so focused on American stuff, but they were probably like, you know what, once we go to the global box office, because mm-hmm. people overseas might be really into this. Yeah. Because yeah. that tends to happen. Like, they love American stuff because it's yes. not so in their face like that. Yes. Um, so I can totally see that. That's probably more for who it, you know, more for who it was for rather than trying to capture an American audience like that. But I honestly didn't think that Elvis
1: really crossed the borders like that, but maybe he did. I think he did though. Okay. I feel like when, especially in his prime, especially, I I really think he did. Like he had that whole, Factor, like he was the original Beatle, I guess. He was probably the original, like, superstar, like, the original as as what we know it now, like, you know, like the Justin Bieber's Mm -hmm. and the Chris Brown's that are just everywhere all over the world. Like, Mm -hmm. I would think that Elvis was probably the original of that sort of genre of music.
2: Mm -hmm. And I could
1: totally see, you know, other countries um, latching onto him.
0: I'll just say <laughs> that I looked up, like, worldwide influence mm-hmm. just quickly to see if he did anything. Right. And honestly, all this stuff is saying U.S., America, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and I feel like the people who are trying to say that he had, like, a worldwide presence, like, they just want to say that. Really? Because I, I don't think that stuff would have crossed over other countries that well for Elvis. I mean, maybe.
1: Yeah, I, um, I'm thinking of maybe the people like in small towns of, you know, and they don't get, t- you know, like, I don't know. I still think I would I would be surprised. I'd be surprised if he didn't, just because it's Elvis. But I think we, if we're going to do another Elvis story, I really want to do... I know they probably touched on it in the movie but I would love to do one that f- focuses and maybe on a lot of white artists I tell you what do that the real, co-opt black music do
0: the real Elvis story and talk about how he's on dating his stepdaughter or something crazy yes. like that tell
1: tell the whole
0: piece Yes, I mean they do show him like when he gets older and stuff in there so I don't think it's a straight up and I, you almost can't even do movies like this anymore but I don't think it's a straight up like Elvis was the greatest person ever. I don't think it was like that necessarily but I think you you probably take a darker look at it show the real rise and the real fall of him. Right. Um, and they might have done that in this movie, but guess what? I may never find out. I did out. not
1: see it, and I probably never will. That's a shame. <laughs> maybe, like I said, one day, maybe one day, and then we can come back and, and talk about it later. That's but
0: right. we're not even serious about it.
1: <sighs> no, we're, we're not. Like we, <laughs> we have put no effort into that. But I would love, I, I would love a movie that talks about how white. Musicians and producers, um, and artists co opt on black sound, especially in the fifties and Um, sixties, and how black artists came out with these songs, and made like pennies. Yeah, and then it was somehow they didn't own their masters, I'm sure, and then it was taken and blown up into like this big huge song for white artists. That's a documentary, though. That's yes. I would love to watch it. I would love to watch something of that nature because you would see the Elvises and the Beatles and some of these other groups that have made huge, huge money off of black voices and black stories in the music field. All right, Let's talk about... Okay, let's go back um, to... We were talking about Bessie for a little bit. We were, but let's talk about your uh, Gladys. Gladys... um, Gladys Bentley, I love her. And the song that I picked really was just a regular like he do me dirty mm-hmm. why men be doing us dirty yeah. song. So it wasn't like a big song. Um, or a song that had any innuendo or, or any sexual or gender or anything like that. But I picked her was because her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, Gladys Bentley dressed in men's clothes. She considered herself. She wanted to dress like a dandy man. A dandy man. A dandy man. <laughs> um, so she would dress in top hat and tails mm-hmm. and tuxedos and even, you know, when she wasn't performing, she would wear men's clothes. Um, I did a little more research on her. Um, for whatever reason, I really, really just connected with her and her story. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was younger, she dressed in, in boys clothes, even as a young girl, like she just said that she felt comfortable. Um, in boys' clothes. And so that would, of course, get her in trouble at school. That would get her in trouble at home. And finally, her and her um, guardians or parents came up with this sort of in-between, like, okay, you can wear this, but you can't wear this. Okay. Or you can do this, and you, but you can't do this. Um, so I, I say we in still my... still see that now. Right, exactly. And I say in my presentation that if Gladys Bentley was to, alive today, I think she would be non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always said that she did not feel as if she was a man or wanted to be a man, but she just felt comfortable um, dressing as a man. Um, so it was unfortunate that she didn't get to to live that out or really see what that was all about in her life. And maybe she did, we just don't know it. Um, but she had a, she was a lesbian. She had multiple women lovers. And then around the 50s, She started taking medicine. She found God, started taking medicine, which I'm assuming... you know, sort of change her hormonal balance or whatever those medicines do. And she started, she was, she actually did an article in Ebony in 1952 talking about how she was a woman again and she wasn't dating women and she was domesticated. Look, I'm taking this medicine and now I'm a woman. Look, I can bake a cake now. You know, like those sort of gender roles that, that she was sort of going into and and doing now that she was on this medication and cured mm-hmm. from her homosexuality. So um, I just felt really bad for her that she could not be herself mm-hmm. um, in that. And so that's why I picked her, was not so much of the music, even though I couldn't find anything, uh, uh, any of her Dirty Blues songs online. Um, but they. it was said that when she performed live that she would twist her lyrics um and um
0: probably to avoid just getting her records thrown out
1: right exactly exactly and so she really i think out of the other women that i talked about she because of her dress um she probably i mean the government was literally after her and the new york Um, state government um, made her move to New Jersey at some point. Isn't that
0: so crazy how serious they took that stuff? Yes,
1: yes. Like, you had to have a license to perform, A, um, and B, they could take your license away. I mean, we see that even with Billie Holiday, who was the love of my life. Mm. Um, I love Billie Holiday, but you can see that, you know, they took her performing license away. And um, because of, you know, her drug addiction, Oh, and um, other things. So she could literally not perform. She could not make a living in certain areas because she had no license. And they had done the same with Gladys Bentley. Um, at some point, she moved to New Jersey and could only perform in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even still, like, she got ran out of there and went to California
2: okay. and
1: could only perform in California and, and gay and lesbian clubs in California. So um, it's just crazy how... How it's so different now that someone can say, oh, we don't like you because of who you are. So we are going to stop everything, even how you make your money, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because you're homosexual or um, you have other um, other things going on in your life.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's interesting, I guess, how many ways people can find to control something. I didn't. I didn't realize that with that story of like you needed, a, you know, a license to perform, and they can just take away the license because you can basically control what people hear. Yeah. Then, but of course, now it's much more difficult because we have the internet. Right. Uh, so you can't. There's only so much you can do, but one thing that um, when what came out to me when you mentioned, I think it was in your actual presentation where you said she was married to a man. Yeah, And it was proved to be a sham marriage. Yes. Do you know who Andrew Cal- Caldwell is?
1: Yes. Okay. Oh, everyone knows like, who Andrew Caldwell is. Even if you don't is. know his name, because I did not yes. remember his name. Mm-hmm.
0: But like, you know.
2: Was, delivered. Yes.
0: The guy who was delivered,
2: <laughs> um,
0: all the people at home, I might put a clip in so you can hear exactly what it is. But the guy who was like at church said he has been delivered from being gay and now he only likes women. And he's like women, 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 women. Like he was, right. <laughs> <laughs> he was running around the church. Like it was a very big deal at the time. Not big deal as in we took it seriously. It was just really funny, right? But so okay, that made me immediately think of him. Yes, because it it seemed like the same thing to me. And um, I I looked at this video. This is this is this is in 2018. So I guess um, not not super recent. But like I thought it had come out that he was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm still gay. I thought he said that
2: somewhere. I guess he didn't. And he's got this
0: whole social media personality now where he's like, oh, I'm straight now. But, I mean, as you can see in this video, and I know you guys can't see it. Yeah. But look up any video about (laughs) Andrew Caldwell, and you can see that is not the case. No. Um, And he even mentions in the videos that he's doing, like, he still flirts with men um, but he's you know attracted to women now, and he literally says, "and this is why it's so cringe worthy." Because in the videos, sometimes he says, "you know I get hard for women now,"
1: and I'm like, <laughs> "You're doing too much, dude." No like, "No one says <laughs> that. that. You're doing way too much." Um, Who says that? No one. <laughs> no one. There are lots of
0: videos out there where he talks about, um, I guess, how he's attracted to women now and stuff, and and I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that whole uh, situation. I had many thoughts on it before I was watching the video because it's just funny. We've got to.
1: Yeah. I mean, at some point, and and I get it, I I think religion is another thing that controls the masses and it controls sexuality um and and especially people that have grown up in black religion whether it's been baptist or apostolic or or whatever even evangelical and the which is this is a whole nother topic and the fear of hell um is very real for some and but um like we know andrew caldwell like oh do you watch the bad boys club my ADHD oh my God, is like, it is, there is it's been, like well, bouncing I just, everywhere.
0: Uh, I think some of my friends have told me about it, and it sounds hilarious from some of the stuff. Yeah,
1: oh my gosh, because I like Ratchet TV every, <laughs> now, every now and again. So he's on, he's supposed to be a main cast member, um, and he's on the first episode, but mm-hmm. he leaves. Oh. Um, yeah, because the whole house wants to jump on him, because, of course, he walks in there. Uh, most of the cast is gay. Um, Aren't
0: some people in the show straight and then some people are gay? There's
1: two maybe possibly three people that are straight and the rest are all gay men and so Andrew Caldwell supposedly has slid in some of the DMs of these gay men and so they're calling him out on the first show and of course he's like I'm better than y'all I'm Andrew Caldwell y'all ain't nothing and no I love women's you know like not just
0: I love women I love women's
1: and <laughs> women's you have to say it with the e and s women's i think that hurt his case yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because normal people don't say that women's and it's like bless your heart andrew like just be you and be yourself like i hope i as we laugh like i hope that one day he's able to give up that facade and be able to live as himself in his own sexuality and his own truth, because...
0: Because it's funny, but it's not funny. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's funny. But it's funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching this, and I mean, he's wearing... Not that this means anything. I know we. it's, it's difficult to have these conversations because they require so much nuance. Right. But I mean, he's wearing makeup in this thing that I'm watching him, and again, he says... I flirt with men on the, yeah, on the episode. Like this is not me just saying stuff, right? Or and making, um, making judgments based on what I feel a straight man should look like and whatever. This is him saying this, so. right? Right, exactly.
1: So yeah, and that. So this was totally a Gladys Bentley moment. Like Gladys Bentley walked, so Andrew Caldwell came around.
0: He's not running very fast. <laughs> no, he's, he's not. Running he's very like, fast. yeah, he's
1: not running fast at all. He's it,
0: holding on. Hopefully, he um, he he stops this at some point. Yes, yes, but, but, but
1: yeah, Gladys, she had. Uh, She said that she married a, I think he was a cook or a newspaper, something of that nature. But the guy later came out and said that that was false, that was not true. So it makes you wonder, was she still having relationships with women, which... Um, She probably was, and I hope she was, um, to um, be happy and within herself. But she most definitely had this big spread in ebony and was like, I am a woman now. Like, I love the (laughs) mints. I'm cooking (laughs) cakes. (laughs) I'm cleaning houses. Like, my house is clean. I'm domesticated. I'm taking these drugs. Um, I'm saved. I found God. And I'm no longer that Gladys Bentley um, that you guys knew in, in the past like I'm wearing dresses I'm not wearing tuxes or suits um, so yeah she most definitely had an a Andrew Caldwell moment at a, at a point in her life like toward the end of her life so I hope that was 1952 and she died in 1960 so I really okay. hope that um, she was able to she had just had that short stint in her life where she was you know like totally not being herself but I hope before she passed away that she was able to uh, be herself.
0: Yeah, here's the spread. I guess I'm wondering what was the the catalyst that was like, "Oh, you know, I I found God now and I want to Cuz the thing is if you do, especially at the time find God, it was like, well now I have to start doing all these other things right to to be you know, a woman. Right. <clears throat> um and like you said, wearing the dresses and all that kind of stuff. And you can see her, yeah, in these pictures. She does have a dress. And they yeah. got her washing dishes, fake washing dishes in these pictures.
1: I told you she's domesticated. Like, I'm cooking cakes. Yeah. <laughs> i <a> cakes. Why <laughs> gotta be cakes? <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing more like
0: I'm in the house than making a cake. Right.
1: Than you, you in the kitchen making a cake. Like, that is the symbol Dang, this of says, femininity. Bentley
0: was pushed to admit lesbians aren't women. Yeah,
1: it's it is. If anyone, it's called "I Am a Woman Again," um, and it's on the internet. Of course, everything is on the internet, but it's a very interesting article, and because she's and it's a first person, you know, account of her life. Like it's not anyone, you know, interviewing her. Yeah, um, it's actually her talking about her former, quote unquote, former self, mm-hmm. and just the way that she talks so. You know, de- negative and derogatory about mm. herself and homosexuals. Um, to now say, you know, I am a woman, uh, uh, now so, yeah, it's fabulous. Entertainer tells how she found happiness and love after medical treatment to correct her strange affliction. Um, so
0: that's the thing is, anytime you get that, I mean, because they're brainwashed to yes. do that type of
1: yeah. stuff. So, and I wonder, and she's she probably is it's something she struggled with since a child just her um you know wanting to dress in men's clothes feeling more comfortable in that and I I'm sure it's something that she had struggled with forever but I would love to know what said like hey Gladys you know what we can fix you like she felt she was broken that she and she needed to be fixed so what was the person or the 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 what was that thing that happened in her life that says, "Hey, I need to be fixed"? That's what I'm curious
0: about. And the thing is, you only feel, you only struggle with it, or she only struggled with it, because other people right made her feel like, you know, she should be right. something else. Because um, the thing is, if nobody had ever told you nothing, you just would have did whatever right. you was doing.
1: And Can we talk about her woman eyebrows though, a little <laughs> bit? <laughs> Let me look at. Her woman eyebrows. like they're very painted on it's like baby oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to see a big picture
2: some of these are baby
1: small. yeah they're so small and you have to really like oh bring God. it up when she's I had she has a picture with Louis Armstrong
0: yeah um she's got like she's here holding up her um i guess old pictures of herself yes yes which is when she's got her top hat on and um all that and you know i'm gonna say I know the styles are different now, but I know you really want to be a man if you was wearing a top hat, because I ain't wearing no top hat
1: now. Ooh, I love, do you remember in the 90s, though? You could not find me without a tie. When Mary J came out with those ties? What are you talking about? Oh Oh, I would rock a top hat in a minute with a big feather. And I'm not binary, I am a cisgendered woman, and I will rock a top hat and a tux in a second. Let me, have, let me find one. I think it's one. just funny, yeah,
0: because you know what, if you're running in the right circles, you'll definitely see people wearing uh, top hats with feathers and whatnot, but hey, man. <laughs>
2: yes,
1: yes, you couldn't tell me anything in the 90s. In fact, my senior picture, I think I had on like a Road Runner, Bugs Bunny tie with a big like chain
0: living your truth you live in my your life truth in your my whole <laughs> life <tie>
1: <laughs> my whole life you could not tell me anything i yes i know how to tie a tie hmm. like i've dated people that are like we don't i don't know how to tie a tie. I'm like baby <laughs> you tie tie. <laughs> let me show you how it's done That's crazy.
0: Yeah. i'm looking at these pictures you're right i mean she's with Louis armstrong and stuff and i mean she's out here in a Dress, mm-hmm. hair done, flowers in her hair, or like a, I can't tell exactly what it. I don't want to say flower for real. It's like a little.
1: It looks like a headband of yeah, some that's sort. Yeah, headband, yes. With some flowers and things. So, again, yes. over the top, expressing on. her femininity, like just over the top, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, I hope that she was able. But it's an interesting article. I think everyone should read it, especially if this. Um, appeals to you, but just to see um, what she dealt with and how she felt about herself and just the changes that she made within that. So that was the the third person that I um, focused on in my research. And then, of course, I tell people there's a few other um, women that I would love to research. Adelaide Hall, which um, I don't know much about her. I'm going to be researching her soon, uh, Ethel Waters. Everyone, a lot of people know about Ethel Waters. Did you know that she is related to Crystal Waters?
0: So I'm thinking, because I'm trying to make sure. I was like, I'm not sure if I know who either of those people are.
1: Yes, look them up. Um, of course, Moms Mabley, Jackie Moms Bailey, uh, Mabley. Um well, I would love to talk more about burlesque and things in the future. So I'm um, Josephine Baker, um, Alberta Hunter, um, Betty Thornton, which is another person. She has a whole album that's called Songs, Naughty Songs for Good People.
0: Yeah, I was trying to find that record because I thought it sounded so cool. Yes, but it's a online. hard record to find. Yeah, I couldn't find any songs. I, maybe I was just on Spotify or something. But, yeah, I was trying to. I was like, that sounds like a cool record. Yeah,
1: like I need to have that in my, um, I've been looking for that record, actually. So I need to have that in my stash, my vinyl stash. So those are just a few names that I would love to do more research on. And I'm sure there's so many others um, that, we can, that can be discussed. Uh, but Betty Thornton has a song that's called If I Can't Sell It, I'll Keep Sitting on It. Huh. Yes. Hmm. That sounds cool. Um, which yeah. We all know what she's talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is I, you know
0: I just I have to say I've talked about this recently on another episode, but um older people tend to use idioms when they speak and they like using turns of phrase. And I think it's, I don't know, there's a skill in it. Yes. And I think it's really cool, especially since we don't necessarily talk like that anymore. Yes. Um, And every time I'm given a new one, I'm just like, wow, that's cool.
1: Yeah. It's, um, that's that one. Clara Smith is another one. Mm -hmm. Um, Ain't got nobody to grind my coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and one thing that I did talk about, um, was the black community and their, um, how they accepted homosexuality Mm -hmm. at that point of time, Mm -hmm. um, especially in blues and Jags, Jags circles, it was really accepted. Um, now what was not accepted was being transgender. Okay. And even though it wasn't accepted, it was still tolerated. Um, but a lot of the songs that are have transgendered themes hmm. um, are very uh, negative. So there's two songs, one by Lucille Bogan, my girl, mm-hmm. um, the other one by Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey has one that's called Sissy Blues. Okay. In which her husband, I think it's her husband, um, has now left her for another man. Okay. And then Lucille Bogan has "Bulldagger Woman's Blues," because they use the term "sissy" and "bulldagger" mm-hmm. very much so when talking about the transgender community. I see. Okay. So yes, and Lucille Bogan has her her BD Women Blues song. Okay.
0: That's a a lot of people don't even know that term. Yes. You know, but hey,
1: yes, it most definitely. Um, Research on that would would be awesome. So those are even two songs that are you know talk about a relationship but going in a different way, and their significant other leaving them mm-hmm. um, for people of the opposite sex or the same sex or people that are transgendered. So okay, yeah. Hmm. Well. But it's a good, I, I love the subject, just because I'm still shocked with things that I find mm-hmm. all the time. So I could probably talk about this, like, forever in a day. I guess it's because it's, in a way, so
0: progressive yes. to what the times were doing that you're really shocked that, oh, like, the these things are new concepts, you know, that just started in the 70s and right. 60s. Um but people because you know things don't come out of nowhere right so um, but it, it's treated as if no one was gay before the year 1970 <laughs> and it's like what you know, my mom
1: likes <laughs> that so bad she's I'm like mom you do know that he was <laughs> homosexual and she's like no, like no, I'm like yeah, there were gay folks. Um, just in oh, general, just in general, because it it seems something new. Like yeah. you know, like it's been around it was forever, just secret but it seems new.
0: It's secret, not so secret. You know, just people didn't talk about it. Right, people were sheltered from it. But you know, it's been forever and ever. And I think even people who are kind of conscious of it, like you know, I'm conscious of it, but I I know I don't really understand the. Um breadth of how far it was, you know, how how many people were not just this this heteronormative way of thinking and live those types of lives. It's just they weren't talked about. There's nothing written down. Right. So you don't know.
1: Right. Right. Everybody thinks
0: this blow up now is like oh, this is just this is because of this and this and this. And it's like, nah. It's just nobody said anything beforehand, right? Or they might not have known because they didn't know what to call it, right? Because they didn't know anybody else like that.
1: It's good. I um, I love all my research. So if anyone like wants to, I've read a lot of stuff, a lot of academic articles. Um, Angela Davis had a really cool book that talks about the blues and black feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, so wonderful book. If you guys want to like read it. And then, yeah, there's just some wonderful articles out here that, you know, helps with learning more information about this subculture of blues and jazz Um, and just finding out how they shape gender. And I didn't realize, last thing probably, but (laughs) I didn't realize, another thing that I had realized was black women were influential in creating general LGBTQIA spaces of that time period. Mm. Most of your places where um, the homosexual community sort of, came, you know, clubs and bars and things like that, they were orchestrated and constructed by black women. So we created the space. There would be no gay bar as we know it Mm -hmm. without black women creating that space through offering their music and these underground clubs and things like that um, without black women, which I thought was super cool because we created that space in order for the homosexual community to truly be themselves.
0: I wish I knew more of it, but I feel like it's probably just because... Black women were more accepting of yes. those things, um, so I I feel like it'd be pretty rare to find a man who, at the ti- at that time, would have been doing that sort of thing. And like you said, typically, you know, black women tended to be m- more on the nurturing side of those things and fostered those things. And this is lasting, and then we gotta go. But <laughs> I saw a um, post recently talking about how you know black women typically are the people who organize the like family family reunions yes. and things like that and do all the planning for that, especially since it usually revolves around cooking and, you know, a lot of men just don't know how to cook and never learned. So, you know, when you think about it like that, and that's how it's been forever, it's always been just black women were like setting the dates and, you know, doing the stuff and then men would kind of kinda of just show up unless they were like grilling or something. Right. Um, But when you think about it like that, and that's what it's been in that space for, I mean, as long as many, most people can remember, um, why wouldn't they also be the fostering, fostering these other spaces as well? Right. Well, well
1: Wonderful ahead. research out there. So I would, I'd tell anyone if you're really interested. Yeah. Do you um, have a
0: place that you post your research type stuff or I do not or
1: I really need to yeah. but if someone wants to reach out to me most definitely um, I think as I start because I'm not done by any means which we had discussed a little bit um, because I, I do want to see more how black women created their space and gender and sexuality so um, I think next I'm going to talk about burlesque which there's a huge black burlesque community um, and we see it here in Indianapolis a little bit when Jeezy comes to town, but <laughs> um, I, I want to sort of piggyback off of that research. So. But yeah, if you just reach out to me, I can, I'll share anything that you may want to talk about.
0: Yeah, We're going to find a way to get your stuff out there a little, little more. Um, but yeah, guys, if you made it this far, shout out, you the real MVP. Ooh. And uh, thank you, Janelle, for coming down to the show again well for the first time (laughs) (laughs) thanks
1: for having me this was fun yeah
0: i really do love it but we will see you guys next time thanks for listening thanks